It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, we are shining light on an industry we have yet to shine light on, the wild industry of beauty and cosmetic upkeep, with none other than the celebrity doctor himself, and I quote, the most sought-after doctor in New York, Dr. Paul Jared Frank. Now, if you Google him, what you're likely going to find is his relationship with Madonna. He does all of Madonna's work. He's wildly, wildly impressive. He has a medical degree from New York Medical College and then was trained in internal medicine at New York's Columbia Medical Center. And so what's interesting is you hear everything in every stage of his life from med school to starting his own private practice, to the SBA loan he used, to how this industry has survived during things like COVID. And he gets into all of that. And if you're into skincare at all, you're going to want to listen to this because he gives tips, he gives tricks, but he also talks about the dollars and cents. Pulls the curtain back to things behind the scene you likely wouldn't have talked about or known about, but you're hearing it from one of the most prestigious guys in the business that does it. He even claims, and I got to look this up, I got to do the research, but he claims that he invented Botox parties. And so, You'll hear it all here in just a minute. This is one heck of an interview, but one thing I got to tell you is definitely stay tuned to the recap because if you have any questions about what was brought up, we break it down. And if you hear this podcast and you have any interest in being live on these podcasts and asking our guests some of the questions that are top of mind, you could do that with our Restart All Access membership. It's nine bucks a month. Just go to jasontardick.com backslash restart all access. But here we are, another episode you can't afford to miss. We are ringing in the bell with Dr. Paul Jared Frick. Dr. Paul, Jared Frank, thank you so much for joining us on Trading Secrets. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I think my mother wrote that intro for you. (laughs) You should hear the intro before this episode. I know. I love it. I can't wait. No, thank you so much. Excited to talk about it. This is awesome. And so Dr. Paul, Jared Frank, and I already came to the agreement. It's cool if I call him Dr. Frank. So we're going to we're gonna just call you Dr. Frank. I'm, I'm big on nicknames, right? Right, Artie? Yeah, big time. Big nickname guy. And Artie is a good buddy of mine. We call him the voice of the viewer. So Artie doesn't have a big finance or business background, but his curiosity is next level. So he comes in when you might have a question, take it to the next level. That's that's the role. The good cop, bad cop is what I'll call it. But you know, first of all, I got I to gotta say, I gave you that intro. And when I give you that intro, I got to ask you, do you ever pinch yourself and say like, wow, it's pretty wild that I am referred to. I am quoted in media outlets as the, you know, New York's most sought after doctor. I mean, the biggest city in the planet or in the United States, at least with probably the biggest celebrities and the most powerful individuals 
when you hear stuff like that, is it like, wow, this is, this is kind of crazy that I'm, I'm shooting for the world. <laughs> I'm shooting for the world. Okay. But I think every successful person, and I'm very grateful for what I've accomplished, but every successful person has a little bit of that imposter syndrome, like yeah. talking heads. How did I get here? Type sure. of thing. Cause it never works out as planned in good ways and in bad. But, uh, you know, again, successful people are always searching for more. The trick is to just find the gratitude in what you have and appreciate it. And I, I certainly do appreciate people saying things like that about me. That's awesome. And so that's one thing I want to talk about is the, how early you got started with this. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's my understanding. You graduated from med school in 2001. And it's like right thereafter, you opened your own practice. Yeah. So tell me about the process of that. It's a long training. You know, to do what I did, I really didn't get out of my official training till 2001. I was 30 years old at the time. That was med school, residency, all that stuff, pre-med, all these things. So I got out of residency in 2001. I opened up my practice like three months before 9-11. So when people say it's, oh, it's so tough getting into the business industry now, there's so many people that do it. I was like, every time has its challenges. And I was one of these people that was like, I want to be in business for myself. I'm not great at working for other people. I was always kind of had my own ways of doing things. So I just kind of jumped right into it, not knowing what was to come, the the way the world changed in 2001. And I mean, that is a really tough time to open a business, right? The whole market crashed soon thereafter. And you're in a business where it takes a lot of disposable income for people to have the procedures that they're having done. But when you started the business, did you have this outlook? Like, I, you know, I was reading your book earlier, you know, yeah. the pro aging playbook. Yeah. And one of the first things I noticed in anything about you is you and Madonna are tight and you do a lot of good work for Madonna and she yeah. speaks the world to you. Yeah. Did you have this vision when you got into practice that you'd be working with people yeah. like Madonna and that would be the build, uh, the brand you're building? It wasn't really the goal, but things happen in weird ways. I mean, I still have the little piece of paper the first time I got a phone call from her representation she wanted to meet. You know, when you like save that first dollar bill of a business, I have that <laughs> yeah. little message from Madonna's assistant or whoever. And, you know, I knew the type of practice I wanted. I knew I wanted to be in the beauty industry at its highest level, at its highest level of performance, of its highest level of um, care, and its highest level of running a good business too. Because running a good business and being a doctor it's a tough concept. Again, these are things you're not taught in med school. So I, I knew I had a general game plan. Who it was going to be with or how it was going to turn out? Well, I'm still a work in progress, you know? No, did that's the, fair. Did the call from Madonna's representatives, was that out of the blue in terms of like, have you had you worked with other celebrities or famous people at the time? Had, or was it just normal and then boom, Madonna? I had. I mean, I think every business, including mine, has pinnacles, right? You're generally going up, up, up. Sometimes maybe you plateau a little bit, but then there's some spikes that make, you know, really strong impressions on the growth of your business and your practice. That was definitely one of them. I'd work with celebrities, you know, in New York, we deal less with movie stars and more with like music, fashion, other Mm. people, well-known people in the beauty industry. But to have someone like her, I mean, obviously, that was that was a big one. I would call a spike in the career type of situation. Yeah. Now taking a couple steps back, one of the basis and foundation of building any business, whether it's in beauty or any industry out there, is capital. You could bootstrap, you could raise capital. Yep. And everyone has a different story. Could be yep. family money, private yeah, yeah. money, yeah, yeah. could have been raised. I see that you are still tell me if I'm wrong here, but you're still in the same office that you were in 2001, which is on Fifth Avenue. But yep. the first thing I hear is a finance guy, Fifth Avenue. Holy shit, I know my brother lives in Upper West Side. That must be some serious rent dollars. It was. So how yeah. did you get going early on? How did you raise capital with student debt and everything else? I took SBA loans. 
Uh, my parents were able to like back me and co-sign me for things because I didn't have, I was fortunate enough that my parents gave me really good education and helped me along through then. I eventually took over my own student debt after hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans and private education since nursery school. I grew up on the Upper East Side, but I took a big risk and I took these risks a year before, you know, 9-11, because the type of work I do does involve premier real estate. You know, you have to play the role before you become the role. That's the way I always thought, right? You had to walk at the talk. I had the great training, but I didn't have the experience yet. And then there's a lot of equipment involved. There's a huge capital investment in lasers. Now in 2001, me having three lasers was like considered cutting edge. Now I have 40 lasers in repeated in multiple locations. Um, I did buy the real estate because I thought it was a good investment, which I'm so glad that I did. I bought this office, uh, which I've expanded over the years. I've took over other space on the floor. I've opened up in the West Village. I'm in Miami, the Hamptons. I just haven't figured out how to clone myself. That's the biggest investment I have to figure out. (laughs) But it it did take financial risk. It's not just a risk of being like, I don't have patience. Let me try and build a practice. And I think people forget about this in the business of medicine. That does take capital. Yeah. And I think anyone out there, SBA loan, it's a, it's a program that's done by the government. If you have uh, extreme credibility within your industry and you're starting a business up, a bank can actually minimize the risk by utilizing a government secured SBA loan that can give someone who might have more risk to the bank, like someone like Dr. Frank starting off, and it allows you to get that capital early on. So there always are options if you're looking and you do have credibility and history to do it. Uh, Dr. Frank, what was it for you that when was the changing point? So you have a vision, you want, you're out, you got real real estate that you buy on Fifth Avenue, you're getting out of school, you know what you want. And I liked what you said about how when you set an expectation of the client you want, you have to set an expectation of the equipment you want, the location you have, everything. When was it? Was it when- you wear. Everything. The suits you wear, everything. So tell me though, tell me a little bit about that, the image and how that creates the brand magnetic coming back. But also what was the turning point for you that made you say, holy shit, this is working. I got my first big client. I'm making money. I'm cash flowing positive. When was that? Well, after 9-11, I was like, holy S, what ha- what's going on here? No one's ever, this new stuff, Botox and filler and laser that's now just getting popular. No one's ever going to do that again. So there was a big little bit of depression after that. I was hustling, working for other doctors, doing general dermatology, trying to pay the mortgage. I rented out the space. I was hustling six, seven days a week working. I was a young single guy, 30 years old. The world was my oyster. But I did get a very big publicity piece in Bizarre Magazine. It was titled Plastic Surgery Parties. And we invented the concept of the Botox party. And it was a two-page spread in Harper's Bazaar with photographs of me treating groups of patients, pretending they're champagne and all this stuff there. And I have to say, that was the first turning point. And it was an image that was portrayed in the media that made a landmark. And my phones just started ringing. And again, I was like, whoa. So that was the first real, like life is coming back after 9-11. And I felt like it was the launching pad of my career I had landed. It was like influencer marketing before influencer marketing. Oh yeah. I mean, I was big into editorial. Uh, editorial was editorial was king. You got your name in a magazine back then. Now, what does that mean? You know what I mean? 
Right. What about like just the, the connotation of Botox? I feel like it's gone on this like roller coaster and this world of a spin of uh, acceptable to unacceptable to keep it in the yeah. closet to being open. And now I feel yeah. like it's like everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah, shoot me yeah. up. I got Botox. It, it's like what coloring your hair or shaving your armpits or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's the amazing thing about my business. And it has the pros and cons about the, the acceptance of it. When I started out, I got into the game when it was ladies that lunched, Caucasian ladies that lunched that did this thing. It was this new thing called Botox that wasn't FDA approved yet, but like rich and famous people and like cool gay men were getting it done and stuff like that. Um, and then fillers and lasers. And for the first decade, it was still very much like a hush-hush thing. One of the big things I inaugurated was its expansion to men. I became the guy that guys went to. And now my practice is like 35, 40% men because of that. And I helped wow. start that wave. But now you have millennials do it. That's where the biggest growth is. And the good news is, the business is expanded to the such a broad audience, all ages, colors, genders. There's no stereotype of doing a little maintenance. The problem is pigeons go where the crumbs are and the economies of it are such that it's been very over-commoditized with the med spa market. Now you got nurses, pediatricians doing it, spaces where there's not supervised doctors and it's like drive-through Botox. So there's the pro and con of the expansion of every business. You could lose the quality of care when everyone's just out for the buck. How young is too young to get Botox? I mean, I have teenagers that use it for medical purposes for excessive sweatings. There are children right. who get it for cerebral palsy, but I don't treat problems that don't exist. Getting Botox to prevent wrinkles is not something I would sell. But do I have 26-year-olds who start having the lines in between the eyes and the forehead? Absolutely. When I was 27 and I was a resident in training in NYU hospital, and there was this experimental drug we were playing with, of course, I did it on myself. After doing it and I got rid of the lines, I said, I'm doing this forever. My instructors said, this is going to be something approved just for older people. You're not going to want to do this at least for another 20 years. I said, watch. <laughs> and I was right. You yes, nailed you that one and you're ahead of the curb. One thing, and I hate to make this comparison, but it's a, it's a good transition, I think, to the question because you had mentioned that now people have like drive-through Botoxes. Yeah. One thing I won't do is I won't eat cheap seafood, right? Like I'm not going, <laughs> if I'm eating seafood, it better be expensive. And you could, you could chirp me, you could say whatever you want. It's my feeling. I'm trying to bring some type of tie that in the beauty industry for consumers. Is there like a price point that you should say in your head, if I'm paying this much for... Uh, a Botox injection, it's probably like something a little fucked up, excuse my yeah. language, but it's yeah. something you want to stay away from. Well, first of all, stay away from Groupon type deals because basically okay. anything you see on Groupon or those type of discounted sites, guilt, they have that for cosmetic surgeries and all these things because basically the provider is essentially the economics are, they're doing it for free to get you in the door, which means they don't have practice, they don't have a business and they don't have a patient population that's established. So you're basically being practiced on. So I think that's the first economies of staying away from these discount advertising type things. But you know, you see anything for less than four or $500, you're getting watered down fake or someone who's just looking to practice on you. Um, you do get what you pay for. And I think not that everyone has to go to a famous Fifth Avenue doctor or LA doctor, but there is an economy of scales. And in the least, you should make sure you do your research to get a call because it is a service and it's a medical service. You're not buying a bag here. Is it $400? Yeah, this is a, a first time we're talking. We're talking $400 for a session. When do you got to come back? I'm taking notes over here because, you know. Yeah. I mean, you, you, most people get it done at least twice a year, depending okay. on your age. But, you know, a bottle of Botox or 
we'll say the word neuromodulator because Botox is a brand. And there are several on the market now that costs about $600. So if you're seeing something for less than what the cost of the product is to the provider, come on, that's telling you something there. You know what I mean? And you know, I think what I try and do in my business as I've grown over 20 years is obviously patients who see me pay a premium. There's a consult fee. Of course, I'm a little bit more expensive than your average unknown dermatologist or plastic surgeon. But I did create a scale, a tier that I've modeled after the fashion industry where you can see another provider of mine trained by me that won't be as expensive. So it could be 30, you know, 30% less because not everybody could afford to get in to see me, but they still want to be at P. Frank MD. They still want the, the service, the care, the access to technology of being in Dr. Paul Frank's realm. It's almost like having like Polo by Ralph Lauren as opposed to the purple label. Not everyone could afford the $5,000 suit, but everybody wants to wear the polo collar and wear a cheaper line of stuff. And that's part of where I want the business of beauty to go, where we can preserve the quality of care. I like that. Gotcha. And just so I understand that completely, under your practice, based on what your budget is, and obviously you come at a higher price tag, you can go see a different doctor, but it's still under your umbrella. I supervise and train anybody. It's a way that I scale my business without having to clone myself. And how many many employees and doctors and and staff do you have? I mean, right now, you know, COVID, we took a little bit of a hit, but we're back up to about 30. Amazing. Um, 30 employees. I would say I have right now about, other than me, six clinical providers, people that could do some lasers, injections. In the next six months, I have some other doctors that will be coming on board now as we ramp up with our expansion to other locations. Okay. Interesting. So one thing I was was seeing when we were doing a little research about you is that you have a true holistic approach. And I read this quote from you. It says, before you walk through my doors, your diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, intimacy levels at home, and meditation should all be things that you're working on at home. I'm the icing and the cake. That's my philosophy. So then I said that like brilliant quote, let's look at all the procedures that he has. And I see you do fat removal. Obviously we talked about Botox, uh, body sculpting, skin rejuvenations, uh, butt lifts, uh, stem cell facelifts. I can literally (laughs) list your stuff and the podcast would be over. So I'll just stop there. You name it, you do it. What of all those procedures or what through that process would you say is your favorite and or the most rewarding? Oh, that's easy. Sucking and filling. Those are my two favorite things. Okay. And uh, I like three-dimensional sculpting, whether it's using Botox and fillers in the face and the body or mm-hmm. removing fat and re-sculpting. To me, it's artistic. It's something you can't teach. I was a musician growing up, a little bit of an artist, more than a jock. And although I think I have good clinical judgment and I think I'm a good businessman, I think I have a good eye in sculpting. And it's something I really love to do. It's something that um, I think is very rewarding. And I always tell people, if you're going into the business of cosmetic surgery, market yourself by something that you could make yourself special at. Everybody could do a little bit of Botox. Everybody could do a little bit of filler. There are certain things that like you're competing with with millions of people who do the same thing. The sucking and the filling things are areas of expertise that I think can set me apart from other physicians. Can you give me an example of a a suck and a fill? You're sucking out of what part of the body and you're using that same fat or what is it to fill another part of the body? I'll give you a perfect example. I got a man or a woman who's 50 years old 
they work out five, six times a week. They eat. They may have had a couple of babies. They may have seen their, they gained a little weight while their wives had a couple of babies and, or they had a knee injury and they put a little bit of the love handles on that their father had that they saw or a little under the chin or the chest. And they come and see me with frustration. Doc, I work out six days a week. I really don't drink or eat that much sugar that much. Um, I, my, it's just really frustrating. I'm the icing on the cake. I do a little tumescent liposuction under local anesthesia, 24-hour recovery. I use that fat to fill other areas like their flat tushes that they complain. My tush used to be so high. Now it's flat. Or I use that fat in the face for areas because they've gotten sunken and a little hollow. That's the sculpting. And what's great about body sculpting is that people have this preconceived notion of like liposuction back in the 80s, like discovery channel, getting your ass beat up and drains and long recoveries and risks and lumpy, bumpy us weekly photos of bad celebrity work. (laughs) And the fact of the matter is it's a great technique. I'm pretty damn good at it. And what frustrates people for weeks and months and years in a weekend recovery, I could make it look like they've lost or gained 10 pounds in the right place. That's, and that's, that's the magic that I love coming to work for every day. Yeah, and I'm sure when you see a client come out of it and and mentally and physically feel so much better about themselves, it has to be so impactful. Yeah. And yeah. With in regard to the whole pro aging thing, and again, both you guys look young and perfect, but you know, we all get to a certain stage in life when we're like, God, what I was doing with my diet and my exercise is just not working as well as it used to. We all hit that wall. And I, I reinforce all the work that people have to do, but I'm who comes in when that wall is hit. Amazing. All right. A question I have about one of the things we do on Training Secrets is we want to give people the best information to be a consumer too. Yeah. So yeah. if is there anything, even obviously you're high end and you are top of the line, but is there any strategy in which a consumer can somehow use their health insurance to pay for any of these procedures? Or is it almost always out of pocket? It's always out of pocket for cosmetic procedures. And I will tell you that back in the 80s and the 90s, the plastic surgeons would try and do like nose jobs and say you had deviated septums. They would try and do eye jobs and say the person couldn't see. (laughs) People try and do it with Botox because 50% of the Botox used in the world is for medical purposes. People try and push it over. If you are with a doctor that is saying that he could get, get this covered on your insurance, that is not only an unethical doctor, it's a doctor who doesn't have enough patience and is a doctor that you need to run away from. So anyone that reinforces your curiosity to get it covered, I would stay clear of. That's a big red flag. We have to get a trading secret from you at the end of this podcast, but I would say that is one hell of a trading secret for anyone listening. Yeah. Uh, another question I have, and this is kind of a little bit of a ridiculous question, right? So if I'm talking to, let's say, a, a car dealer or a, 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 an actor, and I'm like, oh, well, what's the best value if you want to get like acting lessons or a car dealer? Like, how do you find the right car? Like, give me the yeah. angle. Yeah. All these procedures that you just listed, someone yeah. might be listening saying, I, I need them all. Like, give me literally, when can I get them all? To a consumer like that, what do you think of all the things you offer is probably the best value given the cost of it? That is an excellent question. You want us to hear a stupid question? Come hang out with me for a day. I see 50 <laughs> patients come through here. I got a few stupid questions. No, I always say, in a word, and again, people come in knowing about a lot of things. My most important job is to help organize and prioritize treatments for them because everyone can't do everything. I say to me, skin quality and health is the most important first step whether that's getting rid of sun damage, getting rid of just clearing up skin issues, 
acne that may lead to scarring. These are things that are very important. And the good news is they're the most cost-effective because if you spend, let's say, $2,000 on getting a few lasers to clean up brown spots, broken capillaries, smooth out the texture, shrink your pores, you are making your skin not only healthier, less susceptible to skin cancer, but you're also making it better going on, which means healthier skin means less fine lines and wrinkles, less loss of elasticity. So not only does it make you look good for now, it is preventative down the line. That is so good to know. And, and Dr. Paul, Jared Frank, if you gave someone one tip that they can do on their, themselves every day to help prevent some of this, what would that tip be? Oh, you know that answer. It's the most annoying dermatology answer in the world. Sunscreen? Sunscreen, baby. I thought so. I thought so. You know, you can't heal a bruise if you keep punching yourself in the arm. And if you care about your skin, and listen, I'm, I'm embarrassingly a little tan talking to you right now. I just got back from Turks and Caicos for my first vacation in a year. I enjoy the sun. I'm not an anti-sun person, but there is a difference between a little bit and a lot, just like with alcohol and pharmaceuticals and everything. You have to find, nothing is all good or all bad, but there's no question the number one cause of aging is? The sun. The sun. Do you do assessments for people? Like, can I come see you hypothetically yeah. and for you to say, hey, I recommend that you get X, Y, and Z done because you do all these things and, and the consumer doesn't really know all the things and you, you know, you could really benefit from X, Y, Z. If this is what you're trying to accomplish, do you do assessments like that? Like I could come in and you can, yeah, I do it. That's my consultation. I do okay. a consultation. I spend the half hour with you. People pay a fee for that. People who want free consultations with one of my other providers, they can get complimentary consultations, but I'm willing to I'll sit with people and I map things out because I'm not only treating what I see in the biology, I'm treating in between their ears. I sense if they have dietary issues. I sense if they're just lazy and want a quick fix injection. And I could sense, because again, not everyone, not all of my patients are rich and famous. You know, I have school teachers that save up for some treatments. I have cops. I have, I have, you know, a lot of people who they allocate time and money for certain things. And it's important for me to give them effective cost-effective and safe treatments. All right. So I'm going to ask this question, which has nothing to do with this podcast. It is strictly selfish for me, but you talked about in between the ears and I got to know if I'm alone with this. You could punch me in the face 15 times. I'd be like, that's fine. You could have me jump off the Empire State Building with a rope attached to me. I'm like, let's jump. Let's skydive. You get anything close to a needle near me or David, actually, forget it. We're like literally running. We're, we're turning light. We're sweating. We're like passing out. Is this a common thing you see? And do you have any suggestions for anyone that does have a fear and phobia of needles, how to get over it? I'll tell you, ketamine and Valium. It's a great answer to a fear of needles. <laughs> and if you come to my office and you have that, you'll get a little lozenge that tastes so bad, but feels so good. So now we're talking, you know, laughing gas, things of that nature. I mean, you know, certainly as a skin surgeon, I like patient comfort, not only in between their ears, but just physical pain. And I certainly deal with the whole wide spectrum of people. Some people fall asleep. I do everything to them. But again, I have people that are needle avoidant and I do more lasers on them. I have people that are laser avoidant and I do more needles on them. Again, this is part of learning about the person in front of me. This is the holistic approach you're talking about. But if all else fails, use drugs. So we've heard Dr. Frank talk about his SBA loan and the cost of actually starting his business. And I think it's important to know that when it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments, it keeps you in an endless cycle of debt. So are you carrying any credit card balance month to month? What you should know is that you're not the only one. 
there are high interest rates out there that make it hard to pay off your debt. What's important to know is that there is a company I endorse that can help you, Upstart. You can join the thousands of happy borrowers who have made that final payment. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. They'll look at your actual income and your employment history. This means that they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners, and it's just about a five-minute online rate check, and you'll be able to see what your rate up front for those loans would be. And those loans will be anywhere from $1,000 to $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash secrets. That's upstart.com slash secrets. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash secrets. But I'm going to tell you real quick, you'd be surprised. People will be willing to take shots for vanity before they would for something medical. I do cosmetic treatments on it. They tolerate fine. And if I have to remove a little skin tag or a mole, they freak out. <laughs> it's all the incentive. <laughs> I love it. Numbers. It's, ears. it's all between the ears. We're going back to numbers. Okay. So the global market uh, and the spa market size, what I saw in US dollars is around 14 million in 2019. That's moved 14 past billion. 15, billion. 14 billion. Excuse me. Excuse me. How do you screw up your M's and B's? 14 billion in 19, over 15.5 billion in 2020. And so I'm curious from a projection standpoint, one, where do you see it going? And two, you already kind of alluded to it earlier. How badly did COVID contract the business? Yeah. Well, I think the beauty business, which is a luxury business, will always continue to grow. I've never really had a down year in 20 years, despite 9-11, where I started to the 2008 crash. The only down year I've ever had was the COVID year. Wow. And without going into exact detail, I'm shocked at how little it went down. I really was. And there's no question that so far this year, I've more than made it up in the exponential growth within the last four months of my practice. Normally, my practice always generally would go up low double digits a year, which is pretty high. Mm -hmm. um, I've had some years better than others, but obviously there, there was a decent dip. I literally didn't work for two and a half months. Right. I'm lucky that I was able to catch up because I am a service industry. Sure, sure. But when people came back, they came back roaring. And during the time, I, I, you know, I really found that although the volume of patients were down, I mean, people left New York, people were afraid, people were hiding even in New York. The quality of treatments when people came in and spent more money per patient. Hmm. Especially because you have more time to recover. They and have more like that, time right? to recover. They're willing to do the bigger procedures that they didn't have time to do when they were social. So you busy, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Also, um, people were like, you know, I'm hiding. I have nowhere to go. You know, you know what I mean? And, um, the people who were, did come in were serious, whereas they didn't want to do the, those treatments were like, Oh, I'm going to come in once a week for six weeks. They're like, let's just do the really strong one that costs twice as much in that 15 minute office visit. So the yeah. economies changed, but you know, again, I, I feel very positive where things are going. 
Yeah. And it's interesting to hear that the price per consumer actually increased while the volume decreased, but you're now at a point where you're outperforming where you were uh, significantly before. Are you seeing anything from a beauty trend perspective that might be different today that was different maybe even pre-COVID or a few years later? Like when you project, obviously in investing, it's nonstop staying ahead of the curve. Okay. What's going on with NFTs? What crypto is being used where? What institution wants to you know adapt crypto? I mean, that goes... That list goes on. How does that apply to like the beauty industry and in your world? Well, to me, there the the issue is with my industry. There's so much, so many services available. Okay, number one, there's so many providers available, and there's so much content that people come in with pre-educated notions of. So, to me, the real development is in the education that I do. My online, my podcast, my book, my social media. I spend forty hours to forty-five hours a week of seeing patients, and I spend almost equal that time in my marketing, social media, and patient and consumer education. Because it's not just about what's new out there. It's about helping people find the providers and which services there. And that's where I think it'll allow to grow my brand amongst others. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such such a good point, especially given the fact, like I've already learned so much in this podcast and all the misconceptions that are out there, they can be cleared up through that. And the sooner that you have clarity, the faster you actually want to get the procedures done. One thing you had mentioned, uh, Dr. Frank, is that you'd said that you have a, a higher propensity of, of male demographic than probably most doctors in your Absolutely. practice. And it was part of kind of your strategy. From a consumer base, now I've talked to several CEOs of influencing companies and marketing companies and brands, and they all have their take on demographic, who they're targeting, why, and the money they'll spend. I'm curious, do you see a substantial difference in your men consumer versus your female consumer when it comes to costs? And what's that like? Absolutely. Good thing and bad thing about bad thing about men. You know, um, well, women are willing to talk about it amongst everybody. So the word of mouth is much easier rapid fire with women. But with men, men will go to the same barber, even if they get a shitty haircut for (laughs) for 30 years and never switch. They are super loyal. And once you convince them that your formula works for them, they're yours for life. Whereas many, I mean, I have loyal patients, but any doctor that says a patient never leaves them or tries out another doctor is lying because women no offense, you know, their cousin's sister has someone that's doing something new. They're always look, they're smarter. They are always looking for something new and they think there may be another angle where a guy, if it's working for them, they'll stick with the same thing. Also, I will do a liposuction consult or a laser consult on a gal. And um, they may, I may not see them for three years and they'll come back with that little tear out from the magazine they read about me and the price quote that they got three years ago. And they said, <laughs> I'm now ready. I've spoken to my husband, my girlfriends, 10 patients of yours, and now I'll do it. Men, if they don't book the procedure before they leave the consult, they're never coming back. <laughs> they book right away. It if they want it, if they want it, they book it right there. There's no like, oh, I'll see you in, well, think about that in six months. Guys, when they see the car that they want, they get it. They can't, they're, they're obsessed with it. And men like quick fixes. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, consumer behavior and the psychology of it is so critical. One thing you said that resonates, we, we had a uh, internationally renowned investor and cryptographer, cryptocurrency investor, his name's Anthony Pompliano. I asked him, because he was way ahead of the curve with cryptocurrency. I said, how do you stay ahead of the curve? Like, What is it that gives you the intel to stay quicker? He goes, two things. 
I show up or listen to my wife and her friends when they're talking over drinks. And two, I do research on criminals. And I think you just actually alluded to the fact that the females are way ahead. They know what's going on and they're smarter. One of the services I cannot end this interview without asking you about. uh, And I'm curious, uh, cost and just the first of all, what the hell it is. We just had a a celebrity stylist on and he gave us the whole, his name's Lovan Rump, the whole strategy behind uh, paparazzi. How a lot of paparazzi is pre-set up, the money behind it, all that. Now on your website, I came across the PF Frank MD signature (laughs) cryofacial and paparazzi facial. I don't even know if I just said that right. Yeah, yeah. What the hell is that? What is the cost of something like that? Break it down for me. Okay. So the paparazzi facial, you know, there are a lot of the advances in my industry are in things that are less and less downtime with quicker and quicker effects, sooner effects. And of course, people want quick fixes. And a lot of times people don't have like a year of planning. I'm going to do my Botox here or my lipo there before a wedding or going to the Grammys or whatever. And they want something like three days before a first date, a big event. So I put together, you know, I have a lot of signature treatments because a lot of my skill comes from combining things. I'm like a mad scientist of lasers and stuff. Okay. (laughs) And this is a protocol that I usually have people do, whether they're getting married or whether they're going to the Met Gala or going to the Grammys about three days before. And I actually developed it when I was working with Madonna and we developed a skincare line for her. And we used a what's called an ND laser facial which is a light laser treatment. You're red for 10 minutes. It gets rid of inflammation, brightens your skin. We use cryogen, um, like the stuff you see at that party is that like cold smoke that shrinks the pores, makes you basically poreless for about 48 hours. And then we use a series of topicals to infuse your skin. When I developed this, we use a lot of Madonna's products and beauty rollers. And this is something that takes about a half hour. My nurses do it. Um, it's about $1,000. Um, and it's something to make you look fabulous within the next... 48 hours. And people love it right before a big event. And certainly in New York, I remember when I first developed it, all these patients for the Met Gala were coming in for it. And it keeps people looking on brand. Basically. It makes sense. I mean, the preparation for that stuff goes well beyond 48 hours. So to have that fresh look, people yeah. will pay and do whatever it takes. You kind of mentioned it already. I know that the skincare uh, industry has some of the highest margins uh, of any industry out there. Is that a world? And I apologize for not knowing. Do you, are you in the private label of owning uh, different skincare products that are accessible over the counter? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I worked with Estee Lauder consulting on several brands with them for seven years in an earlier stage of my career. I then worked specifically with MDNA and Madonna as a patient. And as a friend, we kind of developed uh, a skincare line with a company out of Japan. And actually now I'm more focused on my private label and building that. I have a pharmaceutical line, which is prescription, and okay. I have a private label. And, you know, the margins can be small. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of work and money and stuff. Okay. Um, it really depends on how big you scale. We all know the economies of scale, right? Of course. It's not course. what you make, it's what you take. Yeah. And that's something I'm working on in my own, you know, my own branding future. Another misconception for sure is that, like you said, especially when prescription-based, I got to imagine the R&D that goes into that product is, is next level. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned Madonna a few times and other celebrities you work with. Another uh, maybe misconception or just curiosity I have is for someone like a Madonna or some of these celebrities, what is like an average are they paying for? Like how much do you think someone like that is spending on self-care for themselves uh, within your industry. The second thing okay. I have is how many people actually take on a client like that? And they're like, 
anything you want is free. I just need your endorsement because the value of your endorsement is so much greater than the cost of any work I could do on you. Well, that's a good question with a long answer. So we know the 80-20 rule, right? You make usually 80% of your money from the top 20% tier. It's the same in the beauty industry. You have your big rollers, right? Uh, And I'm not going to mention specifically about anybody, but you certainly have your big rollers that make up a big portion. Money is not an object and they trust you to do whatever you want. And then you have some medium people who spend respectable amounts. And then you have your, your people that, you know, they come in once the blue moon, they spend small amounts. All people are welcome at P Frank MD, but I will tell you a range. I have patients that spend as little as $2,000 a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year in the practice. And it really depends on everything from face. But once you start doing cosmetic treatments on the body, it gets much pricier, more real estate. Yeah. Um, As you get older, when you're in your 30s, you can need Botox and filler once or twice a year. When you're in your 60s and 70s, you may need that four or five times a year. And you may need more each time. Now, again, part of my skill is to fit into people's budget and get a sense for how much money what they're spending. But Mm -hmm. there are definitely patients who spend six figures. Wow, fascinating. It's a whole But a you know, there world. are people with how they look is how they make their money. And True. to spend fifty thousand dollars a year on your self-care, not just with me, but with your yoga and your hair and your makeup or a hundred thousand dollars, they're making millions of dollars a year. And I sure. believe this for anybody, whether you're a wannabe influencer or whether you're Madonna or whether you're an aspiring singer and songwriter, this is your product. And I don't just mean how you look. Yourself, your body, your being is your product. It's worth spending some money on. That is, I mean, like you said, you can get a return on that. And for, for people in models and stuff, you, you look good, you feel good, you land the big deal, and it certainly pays. You just alluded to it. And I did read it on your website before we, we met with you in big, bold letters. And you already said it once or twice. Uh, body is the new face. Yeah. Is that exactly precisely what you meant by that? Or yeah. tell me more. Well, people, you know, so many of the innovations like injectables, lasers, they were all invented originally for the face, right? That's like where, where the R&D of the industry started working on the face. The largest growth in technology now is on cellulite, body tightening, non-invasive fat removal, butt lifting, all these things with technologies that could work on the larger real estate because the companies have realized, and I consult for a lot of these companies, they realize that there's more money where there's more real estate. Let's make mm-hmm. technologies and put R&D into things that will make us more money because this is just a small frame, this space. Mm-hmm. And it does take education. I got patients that I've been seeing for 20 years for stuff on the face. And then they see something online. They're like, you treat hands? You treat, you, you, you treat, you could do something to lift my butt that doesn't involve surgery? And I'm like, yeah, baby, body's a new face. <laughs> That's such a good breakdown. And it's head to toe. Don't forget it all. Um, one thing I, I, gotta, I gotta put out here is it's clear that you are a good businessman to drive a profitable business. But I think most importantly, what I've learned and from what I've researched is that uh, good medicine comes first. I'm not sure that that's the case from coast to coast. And so I, I... Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the, the practice of medicine and how do I identify if someone is in the medicine for generating profit or they're making the priority good medicine and procedure like yourself and then profit comes with the great work you do? Yes. 
And this is why I love being on your podcast because it's really breaking down the nitty gritty questions like this, because I do believe that it can be a conflict of interest, making focus on making money and practicing good medicine. That doesn't mean they have to be mutually exclusive. If you're, if you want a career that solely makes you money, medicine is the wrong one. That doesn't mean you can't have a good career in medicine. And I'm fortunate to make more money than I ever dreamed of. I went, my parent, my family was in medicine. I always wanted a good career. Doctors always did well, had nice cars, went on vacation. Um, I happened to fall into a niche that did better than your average doctor. But the problem now is that medicine has become big business, private equity, people who don't have experience in medicine or patient care are getting into the game of medicine. And it can be very destructive and conflicting to patient doctors and decisions of not only how you look, but on real true health, which is why I think the biggest potential in health today, not just in cosmetics, is for people who have like MD NBAs, having Mm. people who have business experience in Acumen and an MD. So they understand both. Now I don't have an NBA, but I have made, made it a priority to understand the business of things. And I think that to have a good business, I first have to provide good healthcare. But to provide good healthcare, I also need to know the business of overhead, technology, staffing, right? You can't provide a good medical service if you don't know how to have a good staff, right? We know staff is a huge part of every overhead of a business. And if you have crappy, underpaid, poorly controlled staff, how can I perform a good surgery and provide patient care? I really think that there's a huge future. You know, if I started all over again, I'd get an MBA and an MD. Wow. That, I mean, that is such a, it's a good point. I mean, the big thing when I was, I got my MBA and the big thing that was everyone was talking about was the MD and JD. But it's interesting. I've never heard someone say the MBA and MD, but it does align. I have a friend, won't say his name, but he is a dentist. And similar to your story, he has a practice that was acquired by a PE shop. And the patient care, the management has changed so drastically. He's got to leave because he's just exact words are these people get business. These people don't get medicine. They don't understand patient care. And while their PL may be increased, you know, quarter over quarter, the longevity of it is not there. It's, it's fascinating right. to hear it from your perspective. Though. And I'm going to give you a trade secret. That's more for people who maybe want to be doctors out there. And okay. I firmly believe this and the success of my practice and the growth is a proof to it. Ultimately, I believe your business would, will grow if you always put patient care first, because when you're, a doctor is starting out, they buy new lasers, of course they want to use it. There's a point where you can recommend your new $100,000 laser to someone, they want it, and they, you can see that they don't need it. Mm-hmm. I say, always learn how to say no. There will be other yeses down the line with people once they gain your trust. And that is how you build a service industry of any kind, whether it's doing massages or doing cosmetic surgery. Build trust. It spreads by word of mouth and other means, and it will lead to your success. That is one hell of a trading secret. David? That's just the holistic approach that you mentioned before coming full circle. So yeah, that's love. We love it. All right. But before we end, we this has been wildly informative. We got your trading secret there. So that being said, with the time we have you left for, let's crack open the vault. We have some rapid fire questions. We want to get your take on that align with your business and your thoughts as it uh, relates to financial and professional growth. Yep. So if you're ready, we're ready. Oh, I'm ready. All right. Here we freaking go. 
what is the most expensive service you provide? And roughly on average, how many of those do you think you do a year? Liposuction by far. And I could maybe do 150 a year. How much does that cost? It could range anywhere from 7,000 to 35,000. Wow. Interesting. That's the highest demanded uh, procedure. Good stuff. Okay. Let's go to number two. If you weren't in the beauty industry, what industry do you think you would be in? Music production. Music production. Yeah. Wow. Such an instant answer. I like that. Yeah. Give me your top three favorite artists. Oh my God. Let's see. Bowie's up here on the wall. Uh I got, I got Prince here somewhere. Okay. Okay. And, uh, I mean, Madonna done. (laughs) <laughs> okay, good. Done. <laughs> I love it. All right. What is one thing that you think you spend too much money on that you'll never stop spending that much money on? Cars. Ooh, what's your go-to car? I mean, I got a, I got a 66 Mustang I got from my wife who's from Michigan. That I get more looks with that car than I do the fancy sports cars that I won't name. That is awesome. All right. Fair enough. I'll tell you what, David, we got to get up to New York City. We'll get our <laughs> faces poked a little bit and then go ride around with uh, <laughs> Dr. Paul Shine J. Frank for a day. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Well, let's see it here. So you're on the record saying you don't sleep enough, but your biggest fear is having too much free time. What's yeah. your coffee order so that you stay energized? Or do you drink coffee? I do drink coffee. I have, I don't know, two, three cups a day. But truthfully, the meditation is what gets me through. That's my best coffee. Doing transcendental meditation twice a day gets me through any lack of sleep that I get. When you're doing meditation, are you doing, do you need like the, the music and everything else to do no. it? Or do you, you can sit by yourself and just meditate? I just need me with my eyes closed. That is genius. Yeah. I love it. David, before we wrap up, any cracking the vault questions you got for Dr. Paul Jared Frank? Yeah, I need I need some answers on uh, this Neo Sculpt. Um, oh. M Sculpt Neo. M Sculpt Neo. M Sculpt Neo. See, rookie that, here. That's the body uh, is a new face, man. That is the that's the grand poobah. So I gotta watch Jay on Instagram all the time. I gotta see other influencers on Instagram all the time. I see them selling these like ab flexing machines, right? And that's usually when you know it's hey, time. I've never sold probably. one of those. Okay. No, I, no, I, you, I said others. I've declined those all. <laughs> I said others. And that's when you know their time is, is probably up on the old influencing gig. Yours, uh, I, I did some research on. $1,000 a session. It looks like one of those, but high end. Tell me about that bachelor party coming up. So my disclosure is I do, I do consult for the company, but I consult from the company because like how I view myself, they invented the technology. They have the patent on the type of technology that is, it's the Ferrari of it. And of course, like with all businesses, copycats come out after that. And it's the only one that really uses magnet, like MRI magnetic field technology that could hyper-stimulate muscles in a way that you can't do voluntarily at the gym. And again, once you hit 50, those reps... And that shoulder injury and your exercise routine makes it a little bit more limiting to reach the physique that you want. And now with the new M-Scope Neo, it not only hypertrophies the muscle, it also tightens the skin and melts fat at the same time, which is the freaking trifecta of body sculpting. Trifecta. Wow. I think I just got sold right there. Muscle, fat, and skin, man. <laughs> you, said, you said melt fat and tone skin. I was like, where do I sign? Yeah. I know. And again, you know, it, it, it's not going to do what liposuction does. It's not a tummy tuck. But for that person who takes care of themselves, exercises, eat right, and just wants that extra definition in their pack or their booty or their arms or their legs, I got three machines that run all day. There you go. That 
is a beautiful thing. Well, Dr. Paul, Jared, Frank, this has been an amazing session. We have it learned has. so much about your industry that there is no way we can find on the internet. I read <laughs> your pro-aging playbook that you sent to me before, and that's where I got a lot of this information. And David and I were doing some digging. But for people that are hearing what you're doing and how you're doing it, where can they find you, everything you have going on, and learn more about yourself, your practices, and all your work? Well, on all the social me- media channels, it's at Dr. Paul Jared Frank. And you could just go to pfrankmd.com, listen to my podcast, The Pro Aging Playbook, pick up my book. That is a beautiful thing. I think, David, you and I are going to have to make a trip up to New York City. We'll get Evan on the video camera. We'll go get some Botox there. People can watch us pass out or maybe take a Xanax and that'll be even funnier. And we'll have to put a vlog in place. To make and, then we'll ra- and, th- and then we'll hit the racetrack with the cars. There I'll, we I'll, go. <laughs> I want one of those. You do the um, Xanax. I'm going to do one of those suckers that you talked the ke- about. The We're ketamine gonna... Valium one. That's the hot one right now. You get <laughs> us on camera pre-needles. It'll be electric entertainment. Yeah, so that I'm one will in. go viral. I'm ready, boys. I'm ready. Thank you so much for having me, fellas. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing in the closing bell on Dr. Paul Frank. What an episode. I have David with me where we break down and recap our guest. As everybody knows by now, David is the voice of the viewer, the curious Canadian. He'll get my take on everything we just discussed. And if you're interested in ever asking our guests a question or being there live when we record, you can be. We have a business networking group called Restart All Access. And for less than 10 bucks a month, you can join. To join, go to jasontardic.com backslash restart all access. That's jasontardic.com backslash restart all access. That being said, we hope to see you live. But right now, I am live with the one and only, the curious Canadian. I mean, David, I want to get into Dr. Paul Frank. That's for sure, because I know you have so many thoughts on it. But before I do, I got to just say, congratulations. I know that, you know, you've been married now for two years, uh, but because of COVID, you had to delay your wedding two almost two years. And we got to party this weekend. And literally, it was one of the most beautiful celebrations I've ever seen. How you feeling? And, and as a groom, looking back on it, what is like your biggest takeaway from the whole event? If anyone out there is planning a wedding, wink, wink. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, it was an amazing celebration. And to quote our friend, Kevin O'Leary, uh, I'm feeling a little extra crispy today uh, after the <laughs> wedding, but it was absolutely incredible to have you and, and all of our guests there. And it was two years worth the wait. And my biggest trading secret to any future bride and grooms, Jason Tardick is one of them that I'm talking to you mm-hmm, about there. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have a choice to make and you can make two choices of the bride and the groom during the reception, during the fun part. You can either go table to table and take the time to talk to every guest, or you can plant yourself in the middle of the dance floor and say, <laughs> if you want to find me, this is where I'll be. I'm going to have the most fun out of anybody here. Please join me and let's bring the energy up. And that's exactly as you can, as you can state, that's exactly what Ashley and I did. And it was truly one of the most beautiful, fun, memorable weddings. And like I said, two years worth the wait. So it was incredible. Uh, it was an incredible day. It really was. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I want to get into this episode, mm-hmm. but before I do it, one thing I have to say to the trading secret you just gave out there is it was one of the highest energy weddings I've been at. And the thing is, is you know how sometimes take weddings take a while to like get going? You know, everyone's got to get their buzz and they feel comfortable. Then they get on the dance floor. I don't think I've been to a wedding ever that that early 
the energy was that high and didn't stop the whole time. It was wild. Post-COVID weddings are real. Like everyone's ready to party and celebrate. So it was great. And speaking of beauty, this is a beauty episode with Dr. Paul. Uh, I mean, the <laughs> girls were there at 8 a.m. getting ready. They had three makeup artists and three hairstylists and the money spent and, and, and oh, how beautiful God. it turned out and the money spent on the fly. All the wedding, Jason's texting me like eight times. Like, I can't believe the flowers. The flowers are so beautiful. I literally like, I don't know if I'm changing as I'm getting older or now that I'm in the wedding game and I see the cost of flowers and I'm like, just literally... I've said a lot of things about the wedding, but the flowers are like one of my top three takeaways. Stunning. I know, you know, I don't know if I'm actually putting you on the spot here. Mm. Flowers. Yeah. And if you don't want to say yeah. it, don't say it. We can also edit this out. Yeah. Over under 15K that were spent on those flowers. Just over. And I wow. was... Worth it. Honestly. If you don't think I was in Ashley's ear leading up to it saying it'll never be worth it. And then after being like, that was so <laughs> worth it. It was the number one thing. And it's real. We... I promise you, we will do a wedding, a full wedding episode. And I think both of us so fresh in it and Jay going through it. And there's so much to peel back, but an absolutely incredible experience. We'll break it all down because we'll have a wedding plan around. We'll talk dollars and cents. And before I wrap it up, got to give a quick shout out to Roosh and Hawk Jameson, both great best man speeches. And I know they're listening. That being said, Curious Canadian, let's get into this yeah, episode. Let's do that it. was a great transition. By the way, you're getting good. That beauty, when you're like, speaking of beauty, the girls had to get up at 8 a.m. Be- oh, it was, it was good. crazy. Smooth. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, it was good. Um, no, I'm talking about your podcast. Guys. Oh, yeah. No, that was well, that thank beauty you. was smooth. I appreciate that. that. Was great. I appreciate that. Okay. Keep um, going. Wait, Dr. Frank, let's talk about that guy. I mean, yeah. I, I have written down here. He's just a pro's pro. Like you could tell everything from his setup to like what looked like a permanent blue steel look on his face. Like that guy is absolutely dialed in and it's just unique on this podcast to talk about, you know, people who are absolute experts in their field. So what was your like quick takeaway reaction when, when you guys hit end on the podcast? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, he's brilliant. He's got a, he's uh, I think in that industry to be able to capture some of the celebrities he does, you have to have a certain swagger and confidence. I think everyone listening could agree. He has that swagger and confidence. And one of my biggest takeaways is honestly, when he talks about the SBA loan, Mm -hmm. which I definitely, it's, I'm curious if you knew what that was. I want to get into it because it's a brilliant mechanism and the way he bought the real estate early. So I appreciated both his personal side, mm-hmm. but also uh, his business and branding side. Yeah. So go, go into a little bit about that uh, SPA loans. Cause it was legit. The two, next question that I had. For sure. So I used to do a ton of SBA loans actually when I worked at the bank. I uh, underwrote them and I actually did the deal side of them. Essentially what SBA is in summary is it was created early 50s. It was 1953. And the whole idea was it was like there's this American dream that small business owners and entrepreneurs want to live. And the government said, we need to help these people do what they can do because the risk is way too high for a bank to take that on. So what happened is they said... If you meet the criteria of what we deem is somewhat acceptable, hey, banks, we will give you insurance. So what does that mean? The banks could lend the money to these people who have like, you know, like Dr. who's got the education. He's obviously going to, you know, he's going to do well. He's all this different criteria. I don't want to get into Mm -hmm. that. It'll take too long. But if they qualify for what is the SBA loan, the SBA government will say to the bank, we will insure this loan. Okay. So if it goes belly up, if it doesn't work out, the government will pay. And what it's done is it's sparked so many entrepreneurs and small businesses to start and actually blow up to be huge. Okay. Um, did you so yeah. did you get an SPA loan for restart? 
Did not. Okay. No, everything was self-funded through Restart. Okay. But I could give, I, you know, I don't want to go against any bank contracts yeah. when I used to work there. I could promise you this though. At that bank, we did a bunch of SBA loans, very small business. Some of those companies are now publicly traded. Oh, wow. And if I said the name of them, you would be like, Shocked. wow. So it went from literally hundreds of thousands in revenue, uh, almost a non-existent to now billions. It's crazy. So building off like the success story off an SBA loan, you heard a lot of his success coming after like a huge world impacting event of 9-11. And I'm curious now that we're in like kind of post-COVID business life, like what do you think some of the themes are going to be 5, 10, 20 years from now on people who are able to adapt to like post-COVID life as a business? It's such a good question because if you're not adapting right now, you're screwed. Like mm -hmm. change is the most consistent thing ever. And the coolest thing is that obviously we talk a lot about influencing, but how many businesses have made slight adjustments and either completely fell to the ground and or are thriving immensely right mm -hmm. now. So I think if you're not paying attention to the metrics that matter and in the industries you're interested in or the industries that you're living in, you won't be in business in five to 10 years from now. And the craziest thing is I just like, even in the world I live in, like this, the whole influencing space, it's changing by the second. Yeah. And I think what's consistent in every industry is the second you are complacent with what you're doing, be prepared to be taken down, period. Yeah, that's crazy. And you talked to influencing a little bit. I think one of the coolest parts of the podcast that we do is trying to break the stigma of talking about money. And it was three dudes talking about beauty. Uh, I, th <laughs> I think that uh, there's a stigma also with like guys talking about, you know, beauty and Botox and looks and, you know, we want to look the best, you know, on our, on our worst and best day too. Uh, so I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the stigma of talking about beauty? And do you think that even in, in your realm of work, it, it's real? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a huge stigma around it. I think the stigma is completely bullshit. I think it goes to the masculinity issues mm -hmm. and people, oh, all the bullshit. And so, but it's real. I mean, I, realistically, like I'll tell you, I mean, I, you already know, I have actually gotten Botox three times in, in my career and I won't stop getting which it. I won't do it. Go ahead. No, it's I was just going to say shocks me just from a needles point of view. That's the only reason when, when you, when we, <laughs> when we were talking about it and I just listened back before this recap, my hands and feet started sweating immediately when you just <laughs> were talking about our hatred for needles. So that's the only reason why it shocks me. It's a good point though. I hate needles terrified. I told my brother, cause we both passed out and he looked at me like I was crazy, but that's how much I wanted to try it to see what I thought of it. And now I'll do it every time. I was a little burp attack there. I'll do it every single six months. So yeah. you can, they say like you could do it every four to eight weeks, but I'll do it every six months. It's a lot of needles. Like do you, they fire away where I get, I, it's, it, you know what? I go to a friend of ours here, Elizabeth Smith. She's also a PA. So I think what he said is really important about not mm -hmm. doing the drive-through mm -hmm. Botox. So she is a PA by trade. So that she was like a, a, you know, went to med school. And so she gives me this numbing cream before and then hits me with it. But I'll tell you what they also say is it's very preventative. So what yeah. they, you know, like if you, there's areas that you have wrinkles and you get those shots there, uh, you won't like scrunch your face as much. So therefore like it'll reduce the wrinkles for that period of time. The two reasons I got it, I'm not going to lie. Most of it was cosmetic. The second thing too, is I'm a huge face sweater. I, okay. sweat, I don't sweat in my chest. I don't sweat in my armpits. I literally sweat in my face. Interesting. And so that actually has helped a lot. Like when I work out, my face is soaked. 
And so that has totally helped the sweating game too. I have never been more self-conscious of like my face during a podcast is this. I'm like, Hey, relax the cheekbones, relax the forehead. You got wrinkles everywhere. This guy's <laughs> going to be judging you. Um, he's like, you guys are so young and perfect. I'm like, are you looking at the screen, buddy? You got bags the size of Mexico. Uh, <laughs> would you get, would you get Botox or no? I thought I was going to before the wedding, but then I didn't. Okay. Um, I definitely Why? would. I was just worried, like petrified of a bad experience, getting it a month before a bad reaction, a droopy face. Like I definitely will. I know Ashley, my wife has gotten it and she's encouraging me to do so as well. Um, but I definitely would, but that's I, why you have to go to someone who's yes. fucking, good. I mean, I doctor, otherwise you can have the droopy face or the eyebrow that's stuck. We're going to Dr. Paul Frank and we're going to vlog the whole thing. And we're trading secrets. Fam's going to get a look of us before needles. Like it's going to be, it's going to be game time. A vlog of me just passing out. <laughs> All right, we're going to Dr. Paul Frank, or if we're in Nashville, let's go to Elizabeth Smith with indie care, indie okay. skincare. One and of the two for sure. I'm coming. Well, I'm due to come to Nashville too, October. Um, Love it. Well, you got i got a question you always see on instagram this drives me and it, I, it must drive the voice the, the viewers as voice of the viewer i hope we resonate here people when you pop on instagram and some quote-unquote influencer or wannabe influencers like hey uh i know you guys are asking me about my skin routine <laughs> is that real or is that just like a, a strategic play to like plug some products like there's no way people are really getting asked about their skin care routine okay so i'm gonna this is i'm gonna tell you the truth here Everyone asks about Come it. on. I get the two things I get a lot about skincare routine, and then I get a lot of hair products. I'm tons so and tons. Upset. And I don't know if it's because it's been such a trend with influencers to do it, but I do. And what's interesting is I always find if like I have weird n- number things stuck in my mm-hmm. head, I can't get out of. And so I will pay attention if someone does one of those. This is my skincare routine. Yeah. How did it do? And it always does so well. And literally, dude, on the plane yesterday, as I'm coming back from your wedding, I saw that JLo did a morning routine. Oh, wow. Like she posted it just a couple days ago. And it had like over 13 million views and she's going over her skincare, which she owns. That's why it's stuck in my brain. So of course my naturally weird fucked up analytic brain is going to her other videos to compare like 13 million. She did like four times the numbers on that routine video than any other video. Have you been approached for, has anyone done a Botox, like a straight up Botox like influencer deal? Yes. Okay. They have. Okay. And they pay outrageously. Have well. you ever been approached for Botox or any kind of like skincare? I have. Well, I've done some skincare okay. stuff. I did. hadn't been approached for Botox stuff a little earlier, but I was, you know, after this one, the whole like stigma, I was embarrassed. Yeah. I was embarrassed. Yeah. So I was like, said no to it. Well, maybe I'll take one. But now, any Botox guys yeah. out there? <laughs> maybe I'll take it's one. It's out there. Let's go. Bring it out. Here we go. All right. Before I get into my WTF moments, this is a question that when he, he said a statement, I was like, man, I can't really think of any comparables, but he said the beauty industry has never had a down year. What other industries can you think of that can say the same thing, if any? See, here's where, I, and listen, I got to trust the expert there, but there are two types of industries and everyone should know this. There's cyclical industries, non-cyclical industries. No idea what Cyclical industries... <laughs> Okay. So cyclical industries are ones that are very sensitive to the market. Okay. And the economic conditions. So for example, here's a cyclical industry, anything in regards to travel, right? So hotels, travel, uh, stuff like that. So if you, if the economy is doing poorly, less people have disposable income, you travel less, you go to hotels less. Okay. So yep. those are cyclical. Yep. Non-cyclicals are those that are non-sensitive to the economy. One of those would be beer actually. Mm -hmm. Beer and alcohol sales. It's pretty consistent. The economic condition does not impact how beer and beverage is selling. So when he said it was a non-cyclical industry, 
very surprised to hear that because it's a very luxury product. And usually the definition of cyclical is luxury. When something is luxury and it's an excessive thing, the minute things are pulled back, those go away. But I can't tell the guy he's wrong. I'm sure he mm-hmm. looks at his numbers a lot closer than we do. And I found that fascinating. I was completely surprised. That reminds me of like a microeconomics 101, like elasticity in, yeah. in Geneseo. There you go. But just a more fancy term. So price like elasticity. We can get into that another time. All right. Couple WTF moments to uh, run to it get by. This. So, what the fuck moments? Here we go. David Allen, <laughs> break it down. When he said Botox is a brand, I was shocked. I thought Botox was like, it comes in the box and like it's Botox, but Botox is just the brand. He said, it's really, it's the, the scientific, scientific definition is neuromodulator. I think is what he had. I read down here. What other brands can you think of that divine define a full product line and absolutely dominate an industry? It's literally the goal for that is the number one goal. If you are a company so that your brand is what people think is the actual product, the easiest one that just instantly comes top of mind. Kleenex. Yes. I got another That's one. It's a tissue. Give me another one. Q-tips. Q-tips. Pass That's me a, great a Q-tip. One. That is a really good one. Yeah. I like that. Those are like two of the crazy world. Wow, Febreze. That's another one. Let's go. What's next? That's it. Anything I else? only had the two. That's it. That's only the I two. I love it. I thought this was a great, great episode. And skincare, man. The money behind skincare. In- incredible. I mean, you had Madonna name drops. You had some good some good dollar name drops. I think he was a really approachable, fun guy. And we will go vlog this. I think that would be hilarious content. We're going to go. We're going to vlog. I'm going to pass out. This was a great episode. David, congratulations on your wedding. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets. If you could please give us a five-star rating and a review. We are listening. We are watching and we are reaching out to you. And if you shoot me a DM, I'm doing my best to get back to you. All the positive feedback is so appreciated. And tune in next week because we're doing a nice correlation. We haven't had a Bachelor contestant on since Dean Unglert told us how he went from rags to riches. But we do have the Bachelorette finale on and it only makes sense to have someone from the franchise. And there are two co-hosts for The Bachelorette, Caitlin, my fiance, Taisha, Zach's fiance. So next Monday, we have Zach Clark coming in. And we're not talking just about The Bachelorette. In fact, I don't even know that we mention it. We're really getting into his struggles with addiction, but how he came full circle and now owns Addiction Centers. It's a great story. It's an inspiring one. So thank you for being here today and tune in to another episode of Trading Secrets next Monday, an episode you can't afford to miss. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.